Welcome everyone, once again, to another episode of Do We Like Murder, a production of the Decatur Public Library, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast. Can everybody hear the crickets? I can. I mean, yeah. I can, I can, I can hear the crickets. We could put the... the Do we um, need to put a mic next to them? Yes, we should put a mic next to the crickets. I think that would be... We could get our own cricket soundtrack. Yeah, you can have your own cricket track. Whenever somebody, whenever like I say something that I think is funny, you just hold your microphone close to the cricket and replicate the response that I normally. Yes. <laughs> when, the thing is, is they're not always making their cricket noises when we're needing that sound. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yeah, it's the season. And I usually just cut out that silence anyway. So. <laughs> Right. Yeah. We make a joke and then we just keep right on talking. Just keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, and I, I'm not sure I'm going to have many things to laugh at in my book today. <laughs> I'm prob- I'm probably going to be shocked into silence at the listening of your book. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we have Dawn and Denise here. Hello. If you're a regular listener, then you know this. You know their voices. You know the the books that they like to read. What books did you read this time? I read Blood Rush, the shocking true story of husband and wife sex murderers, Sharon and Ricky Lee Green, and it was written by Patricia Springer. We do have a copy of this in the library, Mm -hmm. which is unusual because it does not stay here long, I hear. Mm -hmm. It's true. It disappears. So if you want it, please return it. Yes, other people would like to read this awful book. And I just want you to know <laughs> that um, it's not a cheap book to replace. No. No, it is not. <laughs> and we will charge you. Even the paperback. Yes. Yeah. yes. And when I say that, I mean, it's like getting close to $100 to replace this mm-hmm. book. So make sure you return it, because otherwise that will have to go on your account, and that would make us super sad. Yes, mm-hmm. we don't want to do that, please. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however... It is a murder that happened, murders, plural, in Wise County. Multiple mentions of Decatur police, sheriffs, um, Boyd area, mm-hmm. down in Jacksboro, Fort Worth, different areas. So. Mm-hmm. Anybody that... I mean, anybody was, that we know. Yeah. I was like, anybody <laughs> that's still, still uh, on the, you know... In service or whatever, yeah. Well, I did not recognize any of the names, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, I don't know a lot of people over there, um, so I may not recognize their name, but that doesn't mean that they're not Mm -hmm. um, over there. One of the gentlemen um, that kind of headed it, the investigation, uh, did pass away. So, um, but that doesn't mean that there's not others that were involved. And of course, going along my theme, this was uh, murders in the eighties, <laughs> and so we'll so it have did some. take place in the eighties. Yes, okay, late eighties, mid to late eighties. So, so what's your book about, Denise? Mine is called American Predator: The Hunt for the Most Meticulous Serial Killer of the Twenty First Century by Maureen Callahan. And um, mine was set definitely more in the modern time. I think it was 2012 when the book starts. 
Um, yes, February 2nd of 2012. Um, this guy was very a very rare type of serial killer. Mm-hmm. Because he would bury like his his kids like with guns and rope and stuff like throughout the country and so he would visit family so he'd fly into somewhere else rent a car Mm -hmm. and then drive all over the place and bury his kids so whenever he would go back to where he buried one of his kids it was because he was going to kill somebody Mm. wow and it was really like and there was he really did do a lot of like random selection so he didn't yeah he didn't select somebody say okay here's my kid i'm gonna come back and stalk them later it was just here's the kit i'm gonna put it here and i'm gonna come and see what i can find Mm -hmm. wow Hmm. yep so there was really no connection to any of his victims like it wasn't like he'd met them before or anything like that Mm -hmm. um and he also picked small towns with small police forces that would have no experience in this kind of thing at all. Okay, so you said the book starts in 2012? Yes, that's where the book starts. But when did these killings actually take place? Um, Well, that's kind of the thing. They don't really know because they don't really know how many he's killed. They've picked, they've managed to find, I think they attributed 11 bodies to him. Mm Mm-hmm. Throughout the years, when they caught him, he said that he's been two people for 14 years. He's been two different people for 14 years? Yeah. Like, he felt like at some point he turned into somebody else, which would be a monster or someone. Oh, I see. Okay. He's been two people. Gotcha. And for 14 years. Uh But they think that he probably started killing way earlier than that. Hmm. Okay. So there's really no way to know. And he wouldn't give up any information, really. So, and the reason I asked is because you talk about, do, uh, you know, going to small towns where the police forces are either non-existent or not having the resources. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, okay, was that in the 70s or is that, like, no, like modern now. day? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of scary. Yep. Um, I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, 2012, when the Azel Bank was robbed. Mm. It is not ringing a bell right now. That was in 2012? Mm-hmm. Dang. This happened here. This he guy robbed that it. bank. Oh. Wow. Okay, so now there's the connection. I was thinking, okay, we were both talking about serial killers, and now they're all so close. Uh-huh. Yep. Both of them. Okay. This one got a little gross, too. Did it? Yeah. So. Like, one of my notes is just, ew. <laughs> <laughs> like it got kind of gross. I was like, "Wow!" With that, do you want to take it away, Denise? Or I don't know. Do you, you want to start? Dom I started last time. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'm fine either way. Suspense. Did I, I mean, last time I don't remember. Yes, I think that you did. Yeah, we yeah. talked about the Reverend. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so um, I can start. That's fine. Okay. Okay, so this book was written by Patricia Springer, and the reason that she wrote it is because the the, pers- the first person who is mentioned in here um, as having been murdered was, um, her name is Wendy, and I don't remember what her last name is. Oh, there it is, Wendy K. Robinson, and she was um, murdered out in 
the Weatherford area. There's a lake out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it was. And um, so she knew this young lady and her parents. And so she decided that she was going to find out, see if she could find out some more information. So the book starts out with her going down to Huntsville to um, to interview our uh, convicted murderer, Ricky Lee Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, this the story is written all in like from transcripts and conversations she's had with mm-hmm. him and it's all really his point of view um after reading it it's this is really hard i mean you hear his point of view and you kind of feel a little sorry for them you mm-hmm. know you kind of get to know these characters in this book and um you, you know there's that little bit of feeling sorry for them but then you realize, I guess, what they've done. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just this whole mess. Um, okay, so Ricky Lee Green, his background is that um, he grew up in the Boyd area and, you know, just around in, in different areas in this location. Um, his parents, um, Bill Green and Lou Green, is, mm-hmm. is what his mom's name was, um, lived out in Boyd, and he owned a business. But for fun, he would pick on the boys. Oh. Yeah. So he would, uh, him and his older brother, Perry, uh, would, his dad would tell them to run, and he would shoot them with a BB gun. Hmm. Yeah. that w- And he did it just for fun. And then they would have to come back, and then he'd tell them to go again. And I don't know how many times he would shoot them. Yeah. But that's horrible. That's horrible. And that was just for fun. Imagine if he thought they needed to be disciplined. Right. (laughs) And, you know, um, there were just several instances of bad things going on. They they had a sister, Teresa, who was several years older, um, and she was sexually molested. Uh, by her father and um anyway one day mom decides i've had enough we're getting out of here because he would beat her too Mm -hmm. and so she she left him and she didn't tell her parents or sisters or anybody else where she was going at this time she said i'm i'm not telling anybody Mm -hmm. well they were down in i guess the white settlement area and he found them. It took him a, probably about a month or so, but he ended up finding where they were at. And it was after that time she just, she didn't leave again because she knew he would find her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you did not go far enough. Well, you go as far as your money can take you. If she had any. You know, yes. she didn't well, tell any family, so she didn't have any support there right. because... Somebody probably would have told him. Yes. Well, and she had also taken the time to set up the apartment and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, rent it and all that beforehand before they actually moved into it. So, you know, there was a little bit of that. You can't just do that from anywhere, right. especially in those days. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, she tried to protect her family, but she just couldn't. And so um, probably when she was about 15, the oldest daughter um, had had enough. And she left. She ran away. And she was found. And he brought her home. 
And then uh, something else happened, and she ran away again. And this time, she was able to stay away from it. And I don't, I can't remember all the details about um, how she was able to stay away. But mm-hmm. she's like, I don't know if she was going to tell on him about stuff or what exactly was going to happen. But mm-hmm. um, so she's safely out of the picture at this point. Um, and so Ricky, uh, they also have another younger brother. His name is uh, Timmy. And he doesn't seem to get the brunt of anything. Um, there was also another younger boy who was about Ricky's age who ended up dying. Um, he was also tormented by the father. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up dying when he was young. He um, got leukemia. And uh, so then after that, the dad started to let up a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, but then he got right back into his, his stuff. And then they had Timmy and Timmy wasn't involved with a lot of that stuff. Okay. So starting to get older, Ricky starts, um, I don't know, hanging around with I don't know. I don't even, I, I can't even say that he's like hanging around with the wrong crowd because he doesn't have a crowd. Right. You know? And at this point it's like, what's the wrong crowd? <laughs> right. Um, there's a place in Fort Worth that I've heard, in, they talk about in this book called Casino Beach. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard of that, but it used to be, they said, a an amusement park. And it turned into, uh, they closed it down, and it turned into this place where um, gays would meet up and find somebody to hook up with. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that word. Yes. Um, But I did a little bit of research, and I could not find anything about Casino Beach. I heard anything about that. Yeah. But I mean, in the 80s, I was just barely being born. True, <laughs> true, there is that. But you would think that there would be some kind of historical reference to it. And maybe it was just a um, a term that they used. Right, it might have been called something else. Yeah. And then that's just what the locals called it. Yeah. Okay, okay so yeah. Ricky starts to get into relationships. He, he meets... Um, Oh, there's so many things about this. Uh, And my timeline is not going to be exactly right. So Ricky gets involved with um, doing something that he's not supposed to do, obviously, and his dad finds out about it. Well, his dad doesn't say anything to him about it. Um, I think he ran away. No, that was after. Anyway, so anyway, he takes him. um, He says, you're going to go and spend a couple weeks at your grandfather's house. So Ricky um, is like so shocked that he gets to go to his grandparents' house because that's where he is freer to Mm -hmm. do what he wants to do and his dad's not there to pick on him. Well, Ricky gets out there and the grandfather starts molesting him. Like a lot from the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. And I think the the dad knew that that was going to happen. Right, he was a certain age. He probably remembered what age he was mm-hmm. when that started happening to him. Yeah. And um, so he he starts to have this in his background, and he's like, I don't understand why somebody who cares about me mm-hmm. does something like this. Well, he ends up running away. He, he goes to Shreveport. He um, 
he's trying to find, you know, he just get out, you know, he ends up meeting up with somebody from a gay bar that um, helps him. The, the owner of the bar mm-hmm. starts to help him. But prior to that happening, um, he has no money, he's no place to stay. And so he ends up going down in by the river and um, somebody attacks him and molests him. Ugh. Yes. I mean, it's just like, this kid cannot get a break. Yeah. Um, so in anyway, he, he meets up with this other guy and he learns how to make money at this and he's more in control of it mm-hmm. in that situation and he doesn't let things go in a way that he would not want them to go so as far as you know if there's something he didn't want them to do or whatever then mm-hmm. he was not going to do it but um and he needed the money so that's what he was doing so mm-hmm. basically prostituting himself mm-hmm. Something happens, and the police are after him. I think he beat the guy up that was under the bridge that had done that to him. Mm -hmm. And the police finally um, meet up with him. His dad's called, drives to Shreveport, picks him up, takes him home. And um, dad doesn't give him a hard time. But um, I think things change a little bit at that point. Ricky's kind of obviously a little bit more grown up. Mm-hmm. And he meets a girl that works for his dad. So they have the green automotive place that's a, um, like right outside of Boyd on the west side. Mm-hmm. I think they said like a mile and a half to two miles, something like that out there. And then there's the um, right in that same area, they created a restaurant um, and so now the dad's running the restaurant mm-hmm. as well. And there's a waitress um, there that um, he falls in love with. Well, she's already dating somebody else. Anyway, long story. They get together. Um, he really loves her. They, you know, she ends up moving in with him, everything. And then um, he he's really jealous. I think he he was drinking. Not I'm not sure if he was really doing a lo- lot of drugs at that point, but he ends up um, yelling at her and other things that I don't think he remembers what he mm-hmm. did. So he passes out. She packs up. She's gone, mm-hmm. and um, they don't don't ever get back together. Then there was another um, lady. And I don't remember. Anyway, he he does get married, and then they get divorced. And I, and that might have been who it was. Mary, I think, was her name. And so he gets this bad breakup, and then you know he's sad and all this stuff. Well, anyway, he ends up going downtown, and he meets um, a group of people, and one of the the people is Sharon Dollar. Is mm-hmm. what her name is, and. And she worked at the dollar store? Um, <laughs> I don't believe so. I Dang. don't think they had dollar stores then. Maybe. Missed opportunity. Right? <laughs> so she, um, within three days, he's living with her in Aurora, just down from the cemetery. Wow. Um, he, they talk about him walking down to the cemetery and saying, you know, ta- um, visiting his brother's grave at that point. Um, 
Yeah, we've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if I'd have known it at that time, we'd visited more than the alien's grave. <laughs> so, um, so he kind of moves in with her. Her family is very religious. Um, I think the father is like a reverend or pastor mm-hmm. or something. And um, so every time he comes over, Ricky has to hide. And he gets tired of doing that. So it's like, come on, let's get married. So they finally get married. And she has a, a young daughter. Her name is Sarah. And Ricky loves her. He just, I think, kind of tries to protect her mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. And so it's it's kind of neat to see him in that kind of a role, that he has that role to to give back to somebody mm-hmm. else and, and protect her. Um, however, through this whole long thing, you hear that he has sex with Sharon's younger sister, who's 13. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and her and her friend actually, based on his story, I mean, you never know right. what's going on. How truthful it is. Yes. Could be very self-serving. Yes. But they kind of come on to him um, as far as, oh, yeah, I've um, had sex with other people and blah, 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 so I'm not a virgin anymore. And um, come to find out that was true. She actually serviced married men from what? the book says and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff so there's a lot of things that happen simultaneously through all this so sharon um decides she's going to go out of town she needs to go over to the shreveport area so that or no it was up in ohio so that her daughter could see her dad and so she was going to be gone for about a week and there had been a guy that they had um had been hitchhiking they had picked up him and another girl at one time brought him over to their house and nothing happened, but later um, Sharon was saying, well, I think that um, it would be really cool if you killed him while I was gone. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, so she kind of goes on and, you know, about this stuff. And, and so he kind of forgets about it. She leaves and he ends up, you know, down at Casino Beach, you know, driving around doing whatever. Well, this kid comes up. And um, so they're driving around drinking, doing all kinds of things. They end up at um, Benbrook Lake. Uh, and the kid starts um, bringing up body parts and playing with himself and this sets off ricky he's like don't do that around me i'm not into that kind of thing get you know whatever he ends up beating this kid and then they drive around a little bit more and they go back to that place and they get out of the car and that's when he beats him to death and he's just so irritated and irate obviously with that act mm-hmm. that um that he just goes too far he kills him but then he ends up cutting off his male parts mm-hmm. and throwing them in the lake and then he he doesn't want he kind of tries to hide him there and then decides i can't do that what if somebody saw me blah 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 he comes back loads him into the car takes him over to lake worth and uh, there's a fort worth nature center over mm-hmm. there puts him into kind of the water in an area that's hidden and leaves. So it's at least a week before that kid's found. Mm-hmm. Kid's 16. And um, 
not very good condition, obviously, when he's found. And um, so Ricky's like, oh my gosh, they found found him and blah, blah, So he's freaking out. So Sharon, when she gets back, he's like, I did what you wanted me to do. And she said that she wanted him to save the blood so mm-hmm. she could drink it. And he he had. He had saved it in this jar and put it under their bed. Well, then she gets mad at him. You didn't refrigerate it. It's how, not any good. How she's supposed to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, you know, that leads to doing it another time. Um, he ends up picking up a girl. Uh, they call her Montana. Um, she is a hitchhiker down on 287 and 35 area. Um, she was with a biker group and they had gotten mad at each other. And so they dropped her. They just left her. And, um, she had family up in Wichita Falls. And so I think she was headed that way. And he's like, Hey, you want to ride? And she's like, of course. And Mm -hmm. you want a shower to get cleaned up? Sure. Yeah. Well, then she's at the house in the shower and he decides he needs to join her. So they have sex. Sharon's at work. Sharon, um, they decide to go pick up Sharon. Sharon's like, who the hell is this? Yeah. Are you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then they go back and they both decide to have sex with her. And she's like, no, I don't think so. And then it gets really graphic on the things that Sharon has asked this girl to do mm-hmm. to her. And um, they finally decide to teach her a lesson because she's not doing those things. And they get a knife and take her into the bathroom stab her, plunge the knife into her several times, and um, and then she, you know, obviously she dies. I mean, they multiple times. Mm-hmm. During all of this, I, I believe this is a small trailer home. I don't know how big it is, mm-hmm. but the daughter's asleep in the, asleep as right. far as we know, in the other room. Um. I'm sure this woman wasn't screaming or anything. No, right? <laughs> that's and that's what they say that she was. She was like, "Why are you doing this?" Yes. and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So um, after she's definitely dead, they get turned on and have sex in the bathroom. Um, after that's done, they clean up the mess. They load her into the back of the car and they go and dump her. They think it's funny to kind of put it close to one of their friends' house, and it's they talk about it on seven seven eighteen seven thirty, yeah seven thirty seven thirty between uh, Boyd and Decatur, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't give specifics as far as where it is. But it, they they throw her over, um, so she's kind of next to a bridge. Um, and when they leave, it's the middle of the night, so they load up the little girl and take her with. She's supposed to still be asleep. Yeah, know. she sleeps for like 20 hours a day. Yeah, she, yeah, she's <laughs> just out of it. So anyway, they dump her and um, they go home. So Ricky now has killed two people uh, with, obviously, Sharon has done her, her mm-hmm. part of it. And uh, he's starting to drink more because he's like, I've killed two people. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that really weighed on him that he had done something like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, but... He wanted to kind of recreate that excitement, too, in that closeness that he had with his now wife, Sharon. Mm -hmm. And so um, after a while, it's like, I think it's time to do it again. 
And so he goes and picks up a girl at a bar, the 50-50 club in Fort Worth. Don't know where that is, if it's even a thing anymore. (laughs) And um, gets her by herself, takes her back to the uh, apartment, or to the trailer in Boyd. And they end up doing the same thing to her. Um, Through this, there was mutilation of the body as well. Um, Yeah, you'll have to read the book. (laughs) Details on that. Uh, So, but they don't want to drop her in the same place. So they drive farther. I think they drive up close to Bowie, out wherever, Mm -hmm. I don't know, and dump her. And she's found, they, they learned not to leave her just on the edge they pulled her kind of into under the bridge or into the culvert or whatever but there were heavy rains shortly after that and washed her out so a farmer found the body um so that's three that have been killed at this point sharon decides i think that i mean the relationship starts to get a little rocky Ricky's still afraid of his dad. I mean, still, like, mm-hmm. not wanting to be around him at all. Um, and he ends up going to Casino Beach again and trying to pick up somebody. He recognizes somebody that comes over to him and tries to pick him up. Well, it's this executive from um, Channel 5 in Dallas. And so they decide to... <clears throat> instead of hooking up there, Ricky's like, let me take my car home. You drive me there and then I'll ride with you to your place. And then we'll do whatever. So they get back to this guy's place, which is on 30 and uh, 820 area. Um, Ricky is at the point where, well, I guess everything is cool at this point, but they say in the book that Ricky sees a knife under the bed and that sets him off the guy goes to the bathroom or something and when he comes out he's like hey why don't you let me tie you up and ricky's like no let me tie you up and he's like okay i'll he finally agrees to that um but then once he ties the guy up he pulls out the knife and says well what were you going to do with this well later in the book it kind of says that he took knives while the guy was in the bathroom and stashed them in several places <laughs> so yeah it never really became clear which was which but right. i kind of lean towards the one yeah anyway he starts to stab the guy he cuts off his meal parts mm-hmm. puts them in his mouth the guy's still alive at this point oh he reaches up and he slits his throat. <clears throat> the guy's still alive. And it takes quite a few stabbings to wow. actually kill him. I don't know if he actually slit up from like the stomach area up to the throat Mm -hmm. but i I vaguely remember seeing reading that one of them got that treatment i don't remember if it was this guy or not so i don't think his intent at this point was to rob the guy 
Mm-hmm. <coughs> but he he didn't want to look at him anymore. He took a, you know clothes out of the drawers and threw them on him and all that stuff. Well, he ends up coming across money that the guy had in his drawer. Mm-hmm. Well, he took it. It wasn't very much. It was $150 or something like that. Well, they're used to stealing. Mm-hmm. Him and his wife, they would go down and try to pick somebody up and then just take somebody's purse out of the front seat and then just run. I mean, anyway, they were scammers. Mm-hmm. Although Sharon did have a, a full-time job. So <clears throat> Ricky freaks out. He doesn't know how he's going to get home. And so he steals the guy's car. And he takes it, um, gets a flat tire or something on 30 going towards <laughs> Fort Worth, right? Nice luck he has. So Sharon, <clears throat> he said, happened to be driving over there because she was worried about him. And she saw him on the side of the road, and so she picked him up. I mean, no cell phones at this time. Right. She just knew where he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he was kind of keeping in contact with her a little Mm -hmm. bit. But anyway, so she picks him up. He wipes down the car and um, leaves. And he'd wiped down the the apartment, too. But there were a couple places he didn't wipe down because he thought nobody's going to look there. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, underneath the table. It was a glass table or something. He's like, nobody will ever look there, whatever. Anyhow, that wasn't true. They did look there. <laughs> <laughs> so they they really had a hard time finding him. He was so worried that they were going to find him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they didn't. Um, Sharon got to the point where, I don't know if she was feeling so guilty, because he was, he was drinking. They both got a lot more into drugs. And um, she ended up stealing money from his dad. Him and the younger brother, Tim, Timmy, mm-hmm. stole like $40,000. Wow. Come to find out, the dad was in like a drug ring. He was like running kind of this drug ring. And he had yeah. his son, Perry, working for him and other people going and selling the drugs. Um, anyway, so Sharon's scared Mm -hmm. to death. He actually tries to kill her. (laughs) The dad does. He hires somebody to go. Yes. (laughs) They move down to Fort Worth area and they come home one night and their place is like ransacked. And this guy, they see him leaving or something before they get there. She has right to be concerned. Oh, yeah. He was livid with her. I don't know what happens to Sharon. She decides to go into a rehab, which Ricky had done several times. Mm-hmm. Sharon, he gets out. Sharon's waiting for him with a six-pack of beer. Um, she decides to come clean. So she calls the police, FBI, whoever, and says that all Ricky's this killer and uh, turns him in. He thought it was his dad. When he found out it was her, he was very mad. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> And couldn't believe that she did that because he loved her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and such a healthy relationship. She told him to and participated. Mm-hmm. Like it's... <laughs> right. <laughs> so she ends up going to trial in Wise County. 
And she gets 10 years probation. Mm-hmm. Probation. Yep. She does not spend one day in jail. And so he is just livid because mm-hmm. he's in jail awaiting trial. He was trying not to implicate her until he found out what she had done. And then he's like, oh, no, that's not how it went. Um, but anyway, she was off at that point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he ends up taking the fall for all of it. <clears throat> he gets um, he gets the death penalty. And then um, that was like in the late 80s. Maybe, yeah, I think it was at the late 80s when he was actually convicted. And then he was put to be- to death in 97. Mm-hmm. So it <clears throat> took that long for it to, to happen. Um, so in talking about this book, I'm like, I want to know where everybody is. Mm-hmm. Is dad still alive? I don't want him hunting me down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about the book. I didn't do any of this stuff. Um, And I actually ask you also to help me to search for these people. And we could not find anything. Nothing. I think Sharon must have changed her name because I could find nothing on her. Yes. And she had moved out to Eastland because I believe that's where her family was from. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I still couldn't. Anything that I pulled up came right back to the articles on Ricky. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't anything on her. Now, I did do a little bit more research, and I found out that the father died. So he died um, May nineteenth, two 2001, and he is buried at Aurora Cemetery with his wife, um, Jessie Lou. And um, so there's actually a picture of their headstone. Uh, His name was William Jefferson Bill um, Green Jr. And through this little obituary information, I found out where everybody else was. Oh, good. Um, Tim, or Timmy, is uh, at the point of this article, was in Beaumont. And Perry was in Canyon City, California. And Teresa is really close. Oh. So I'm not going to mention anything about her. (laughs) Um, But I feel, and I don't know, I mean, I tried to look up them specifically, like in their towns and everything. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. And... You know, at a certain point, you got to just give up and say, yeah. I got other things I got to do. <laughs> um, but they were not innocent. I mean, Timmy was doing drugs. He mm-hmm. obviously stole a bunch of money from his dad. Yeah. Um, Perry was selling the drugs for his dad. He served two years of a 30-year sentence. Um, hmm. And he got off or paroled, whatever, at that point. So um, I hope that they're doing better. I hope that they yeah. were able to turn things around after all this happened. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are very upset that Sharon did not get any. Oh, yeah. But I'm so fascinated. I want to go. It's like, where was this auto shop? Where was this restaurant? <laughs> you know, we live in this area. Like a little tour. Yeah. And it's like trying just to, 
I don't want to say recreate, but just find out how close these things really were mm-hmm. to where we live right now. It's all fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> they drove up and down the same roads we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet 7.30 hasn't changed much. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. And there's not that many side roads that go off. Right. And I know somebody out there listening knows somebody from this. Yeah. You know, Sharon or Ricky or yeah. somebody. We would love more information just to chit-chat with you. <laughs> All right, if you're interested, we can do a follow-up to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody's like, yes, I know more about this. Yeah, we'd love that. We'd love to talk to you about it. Oh, man. So anyway, long story, all that really brief thing. They convicted him mainly on that one executive. Oh. That's the one that he got um, convicted for, Hmm. where they had more of the, the data. More evidence. Yeah. And then he ended up telling them about the others. And, uh, yeah, he would have gotten away with it if mm-hmm. she had no said anything. Don't hitchhike. Oh, yeah. Do Don't not hitchhike. Don't get picked up at the bar. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> okay. American Predator. Okay. So, American Predator is about a man named Israel Keys. hmm And, like I said, in February 2nd, he was living in Alaska, and uh, I believe she was 18 years old. Um, her name was Samantha Kon- Koenig. Yeah, she was 18 years old, mm-hmm. and she worked at a small coffee kiosk that was just kind of like next to the side of the road um, in Alaska by herself. Oh, my goodness. And apparently, there's quite a few coffee kiosks. Oh, yes. And they have teenage girls that work there by themselves. Okay. So, let me just tell you to add to this. That is a thing up north. Mm-hmm. Um, they have little coffee stands at every corner. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they manage to stay in business. But, yeah. To have somebody... Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> yep. And from what I was reading, during the summertime, mm-hmm. those teenage girls are required to wear bikinis. When they oh, coffee. it's one of those. Uh-huh. Okay. I have heard of those, but I did not realize that this is the one. Okay. Well. Or one of them. One of them. Yeah. Because apparently this isn't like just this one, one kiosk in, in Alaska. Yeah. It's apparently a thing that they do. So she's working. It's pretty, it's not like late, late, but it's still, you know, she's up there. And Who buys coffee late at night? <laughs> somebody up to no good like, i don't think it's like late at night i think it's, they close at like 8 or eight thirty or something like that but still like yeah in alaska that probably got dark real quick depending on the time of year yes <laughs> so um she's just gone like she'd been texting her boyfriend Dwayne, who lived with her and her single father, James, um, and they all lived together in this house. And so she'd been texting with him. They'd been fighting. She thought he was cheating on her. And so they were just texting each other back and forth, fighting. Um, and so she, when she disappeared, everything looked fine. Mm-hmm. Like nothing looked ransacked. The money was gone. 
And so they thought maybe she just took the money and left. Okay. And so her father, James, is like, no, she wouldn't do that because she was texting me, asking me if I was if I would bring her dinner. Oh. So she was planning on taking the money and leaving. Why would she be like, come up here and bring me food and mm-hmm. so on? Yeah. Um, the police in Anchorage, this is Anchorage, I do believe. Um, the police in Anchorage are just like, whatever. I mean, she probably just ran off. Wow. Yeah. And they're kind of looking into it. It's not until James gets on TV. And starts talking about his missing 18-year-old daughter. And here's flyers and anybody with information, if you can help me, and so on. He sets up a GoFundMe so people can donate for um, a reward. Mm-hmm. If anybody has information or anything like that. Um, and then the police start like getting involved. Um, the FBI gets involved as well. At least the FBI tries to get involved, and the Anchorage police is kind of like, no, we don't need your help. They did need the <laughs> FBI's help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. They finally get the surveillance video mm-hmm. and watch it, and they watch a man talking to her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't see his face, but you can see him talking to her, you know, and she's making coffee and so on. So mm-hmm. it's like a customer. Um and then you see him, like, just kind of jump over the window and go into the kiosk with her. But she's really calm and looks like she kind of willingly goes with him. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, see, like, she went with him. Yeah. He jumps over the kiosk window uh-huh. and everything's all cool. Everything's oh fine. Gosh. And so. It's not her boyfriend. It's not her boyfriend. And dad is worried. Hello. Uh-huh okay yep so finally after a little bit longer um they start suspecting that it's the dad (sighs) yeah because they hear rumors about how he owes people money and how he's a drug dealer and whether or not any of that is true who knows Mm -hmm. these are just things that they heard so they start focusing on the dad the dad, of course, is asking for all kinds of money on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, for flyers and reward money and this and that. Mm-hmm. And so they're thinking that maybe he did something to his daughter to get the money. To get the money. Okay. Um, she's missing for like, she's missing for quite some time. Before the FBI finally gets involved. And the FBI watches the whole security footage. Mm-hmm. Because the Anchorage police didn't. They stopped right when they saw her leave with that guy. Oh, okay. So, and at this point, it's been weeks. Oh my gosh. And so, the FBI watches the full video. Mm-hmm. And sees that she went, she went with him. It looked like he might have had a gun or something that, you know, when she remained calm, Mm -hmm. left with him. They got surveillance footage from, like, one of the stores that was across the street. Mm -hmm. And they saw them walking across the street, and she looks really, really calm. And then he just kind of 
doesn't really pay that much attention and she books it like she runs oh. and he tackles her oh. and so um and then they watch the rest of the video and he goes back to the coffee kiosk like three times oh to like gosh. clean up to take her cell phone like oh i forgot to do this and i forgot to do that so he goes back and he so like Holy if cow. the anchorage police had watched it uh-huh. from beginning to end uh-huh. they would have realized that she was abducted yes not that she went willingly with someone took the money out of the drawer and so on. at this point it's been weeks so they question the boyfriend and the boyfriend says that something really weird happened that night when she disappeared that she <laughs> twain i guess did think about telling the police and i guess he thought that they wouldn't believe him because they didn't believe him mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um but th- he was inside with james and james went on to his room to go to bed and for some reason Dwayne was just like i need to go check outside like he didn't hear a noise or anything mm-hmm. like but something in his brain said go look outside uh-huh. and so he went outside he opened the door and he sees a guy all dressed in black with a mask on, mm-hmm. like going through his truck. Oh my gosh. And so that guy like sees him. They see each other. Uh-huh. And he, he takes off. He just goes back inside the house. What? <laughs> he just unlocks the door like, nope. <laughs> no, he, he told nobody. <laughs> he told no one until the police were talking to him. He's like, well, this weird thing happened. It's like, but he didn't tell anybody because he thought no one's going to believe me. And yeah, the cops were like, oh yeah, sure. Some guy just comes and, and steals what? Her driver's license? Oh my goodness. Yes, he did. <sighs> but yeah, he didn't tell anybody because he was like, who's going to believe that? It's mm-hmm. like, no one. No one's going to believe that because yeah. no one did. And so weeks and weeks afterwards, at this point, it's been like two weeks, um, Dwayne gets a text message from samantha's phone Mm -hmm. that says that um it just says connor parkside under pick of albert ain't she purdy which is obviously not from samantha Mm -hmm. so Dwayne and james call the police they go over there to connor's bog park and there is a Ziploc bag containing a rambling ransom note and a black and white Xerox Polaroid of Samantha. Mm-hmm. And one of the pictures, she looked, it looked like she had silver duct tape covering her mouth and her chin. She was wearing eyeliner, looking at the camera. Her hair was braided. Mm-hmm. And in the surveillance video, Samantha had been wearing her hair down. So it wasn't like that's okay. how her hair was. Mm-hmm. And you could see a man's hand and part of his very muscular arm with a copy of the Anchorage Daily News that dated February 13th, 2012. The day after she was mm-hmm. taken. Okay. And so trying to show like proof of life and it was basically he was asking for how much money was he asking for? He wasn't asking for all the money that James had collected. Um but he was asking for some of it and he basically wanted them to deposit the cash into uh, Dwayne and Samantha's ATM 
mm-hmm. account into their bank account because he had the ATM card. Okay. And so he was just going to take money out using the ATM card. And once they do that, you know, they'll exchange. He'll let Samantha go or leave her somewhere or whatever. Like, give me the money and uh-huh. you can have Samantha back. Um, the police wanted to cancel the ATM card. And the FBI was like, no. <laughs> we deposit the money. Yeah. And then when he takes it out, we find out where he is because that's traceable. Yes. Uh, they're the FBI for a reason, y'all. Right. So <coughs> they think, okay, this will work. This will totally work. We just have to get Samantha's dad to deposit the money. Mm-hmm. He's got the money. He's, you know. Doing all this GoFundMe. Yeah, I'm in on Facebook asking for money. So we'll just do it. Except that James Conan wasn't too keen on depositing the money. This man who's been on TV talking about, oh, my poor 18-year-old daughter and she's missing. And I'm so worried and help and all that. And he doesn't want to give up the money. Oh, my gosh. And so. It's not even his. Right. Exactly. Uh, and less than 48 hours before they had even talked to him about the ransom note and how much money he wanted, mm-hmm. he had actually posted on Facebook, if you would like to donate to the reward fund for the rescue of Samantha Tesla Koenig, you can do so by going to any Denali Federal Credit Union and using account number 135006. <laughs> you put the account number? Uh-huh. Or I have also set up a PayPal account to... Uh, go to paypal.com and enter my email address, all lowercase. All proceeds go to the rescue efforts and reward to anyone that can return her home to me safely and unharmed. Wow. And then he's all like, but this is my money and I don't, I don't want to do that. So after a bit, um, at this point now, it was February 29th, five days after discovering the ransom note. James called the APG and he told them that he was going to deposit $5,000 of the reward money into Samantha's account. At this point, he had like, I want to say it was like 60000 or something cow. like that. Yeah, he had a whole bunch of money. And how and much was the guy asking for? I think he was asking for like half of it, for like 30000 Wow. So it wasn't even like he wanted all of it. Mm-hmm. And so then he deposits $5,000. Wow. Uh, and so at that point he starts using the ATM card and they start kind of tracking him a little um, of course by the time they get information of where he's at you know he took money out here he's, he's gone, gone. Uh-huh. Um, so but they're getting closer they get a call on March 7th that Samantha's card had been used just 10 minutes earlier a $400 withdrawal in Wilcox, Arizona. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and at this point, it's been more than a month since Samantha disappeared. Uh-huh. So they start trying to find him. They find him all over the place. Like, he's taking money in New Mexico. And um, so he sets out. And at this point, it's a... Uh, 
Agent Payne, mm-hmm. who's heading up the investigation. And he still has some help from the Anchorage Police Department. Um, and so he sets out one of those um, be on the lookout. Mm. And so he doesn't have much. Like, he knows that it's an unknown male last seen wearing a light-colored hooded sweatshirt. The suspect vehicle will be a newer light-colored passenger car. Based on the ATM's transactions, it's believed that the suspect is traveling east toward El Paso. Okay. So, at this point, they've got Highway Patrol and Steve Rayburn was the first person to that saw Payne's uh, be on the lookout mm-hmm. at 6.30 a.m., on Monday, March 12th. And he was looking through his email on his Blackberry at home while he was having his cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Saw that, saw the pictures. And so the second picture was a small white passenger car. Like they got this from the ATM machine, mm-hmm. that last one. So they knew kind of what he was driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Anchorage plates? No. Okay. I don't think they they knew what the plates were because okay. they just had like a very very vague description of okay. the vehicle. They didn't really even know what he looked like. Okay. Um, and so he, um, Steve Rayburn had actually been, uh, he was a Texas Ranger. He had been so for three years at this point. Mm-hmm. Before that, he'd been a Lufkin police officer for eight, a state trooper for 10. So he knew U.S. Highway 59 pretty well uh-huh. and so he gets an email from his immediate supervisor that's basically saying that he's now the contact for the fbi on this um he gets another email basically saying that the suspect had used the atm card twice once in humble texas and again in shepherd texas and basically they, uh, yeah, he was going to be the main ranger assisting the FBI in this matter. And so he was like, oh, okay. He didn't know that until he got that email. Uh-huh. <laughs> and all this was in like hours. Uh-huh. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, <laughs> they just, well, whatever you do. <laughs> but he didn't know until he was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's, that's what I'm doing. The FBI managed to narrow down the make of the car, mm-hmm. and they told them that it was a Ford Focus. No decals or body damage, no tinted windows. Um, they didn't know if it was owned or rented. I thought this was kind of funny because, so Rayburn goes and tells um, a highway patrolman that he knows, you know, like, be on the lookout for this, mm-hmm. uh, named Henry Conroe. Oh, no, named Henry. Um, and he was told that the FBI told them that that was the car that they were looking for was a Ford Focus. So Henry was skeptical. So he took the flyer and drove over to the local Ford dealership and basically held up the picture to the windshields and made his own match. <laughs> and it was indeed a Ford Focus. <laughs> But like, really, dude? <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Way to uh, spend your time there. Good job. So, they they find him. 
Rayburn gets a couple of other people um, locally with the highway patrol sheriff's office, and they're all basically looking for this white Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. Not much to go on, really. Yeah. And um, at one point, one of them calls them and says that they found a car that looks very much like what they're looking for parked at a motel. Oh. And so the highway patrolman is basically just like, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at it, watching it, mm-hmm. you know, see who comes out. And um, one of the other detectives goes and, you know, just kind of walks around it, see what they can see. They see that someone is looking at them. Mm-hmm. And so like, she just walks off. Highway patrolman's waiting. And then after a little bit, some guy comes out, starts throwing things into the car and tries to takes off. Mm-hmm. And so he's all like, don't lose that guy. You follow him. <sighs> and so he's following him. And he's all like, any little thing he does wrong, uh-huh. you pull him over. Why couldn't they pull him over to ask him questions or at, knock on the door or something? Well, because they just have a hunch. They have no evidence at all. There wasn't anything in the car. But you could... Can't they just ask him questions? Well, if he's got a girl somewhere... That's true. Like... Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so... But if they pull him over for a traffic violation and he resists... Yeah. Then you can arrest him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you pull him over for a traffic violation and you're like, what you got in the car? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you you can definitely make more of a probable cause mm-hmm. case other than he's driving a white Ford Focus. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... He's following him, you know, and he's all like, just any infraction, mm-hmm. just anything. And I believe he does not turn on his blinker when he tries to turn. Okay. And he gets pulled over. Because <laughs> I'm sure he's nervous as heck having a police officer following him. I'm sure him. he was actually not nervous. Interesting. Yeah. He's a. Uh... So they pull him over. At this point, he's surrounded by, like, five officers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a Texas Ranger. He's <laughs> just like, what What did I do? Like, and so they're taking pictures of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they take pictures of what they find in the car. Um, they found one can of Amp Energy drink, a set of school photos of a child, a pair of sneakers, an ATM receipt that said debit not available, a Sony digital camera containing 200 plus photos of a wedding, one new gray shirt with store tags, amber tinted sunglasses, one t-shirt, dark gray fleece Columbia jacket, several Walmart bags, rules of cash and dominations of fives and tens. This was in the passenger seat. In the back seat, they found a Walmart receipt Stamp Lufkin, Texas. One sandwich, one energy drink, one pair of black sunglasses, one partial gallon of water, laundry detergent, and one pink backpack. In the trunk, they found one green backpack, one gray DVD case containing pornographic images of a black female, pornographic DVDs including transgender pornography, Alaska Airlines flight confirmation of Israel Keys and his daughter, 
the departed Anchorage on 3-6 of 2012. Bottles of alcohol still chilled in Walmart bags. A gray fleece jacket. Gray hooded sweatshirt. One laptop. One black Samsung cell phone. Toiletry kit. Oh, the cell phone. This is important. Battery and SIM card were removed. Okay. So he had broken it apart. One handgun, one pair of binoculars, one black ski mask, and one headlamp. <laughs> I was like, there it is. That's where that list got interesting. Yes. <laughs> A broken cell phone and murder kit. <laughs> like, so oh my gosh. when they found what, what they found mm-hmm. the, for the initial traffic stop, the Texas Ranger was like, hook him up. We're arresting him. Mm-hmm. And so he was under arrest, which means that they can now search his wallet. And inside his wallet, they found the driver's license belonging to Samantha Koenig. Oh. So they pretty much had their guy. Once they start talking to him, they realize that Israel Keys is a serial killer. Mm-mm. They really want to know... What happened to Samantha? Mm-hmm. Because she was nowhere to be found. Um, he was in Texas because a sister of his was getting married. His daughter, he had a daughter, um, was with his family. And he was just kind of driving around. And so they wanted to know what happened to Samantha. And at first he's all like, I've got nothing to say. Um, and at that point, Payne and off- or no Agent Bell and Officer Dahl mm-hmm. from Officer Dahl was from the Anchorage Police Department. Um, I didn't look. Uh, there's no pictures in this book. Okay. I'm gonna say so. I don't know what Officer Dahl looked like, but from what the book says, she was a very attractive woman. Okay. And so Bell and Dahl were on their way from anchorage to talk to him Mm -hmm. so when they get there he is very interested in talking to officer doll okay so and she's fine she's like okay Mm -hmm. like you know yeah he's gonna talk to me then he'll talk to me um they really had nothing that implicated him in samantha's disappearance other than the driver's license which he could have said he found somewhere yeah what about the atm card he could have said he found that somewhere too Except for it was being used. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah. he found an ATM card with the PIN number scratched into it. Oh, he just used it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's evidence. But it's also evidence that could be explained away. Yeah. If if he really, if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they arraigned him. They were talking to him. They tried talking to his mom. Because they arraigned him there in Texas. They tried to talk to his mom because she went to the arraignment. And her name is Heidi. Bill approached and introduced himself. We believe your son knows where a missing 18-year-old girl is, Bill said. But he won't tell us anything. Can you help us? Can you ask him, please, to tell you as his mother? And her response is, I can't help you. Heidi replied. She sounded just like her son. Belle was stunned. Please, I'm begging you. There's a girl out there whose father is frantic. She's been missing for over a month. Well, if God wants that girl to be found, she'll be found. Wow. And then she turned and walked away. Wow. 
So we do find out a little bit more about his upbringing, and uh-huh. they are crazy people. Crazy. So they start talking to him. They get. They basically tell him that they have evidence. Then, um, and I don't know if he thought that they were just dumb or, or what. Mm-hmm. But they asked him, like they told him that they knew that he'd been using the ATM card and like where he had been going using the ATM card. And at first, he wasn't really saying anything about it. Um, they basically told him that they were going to keep looking until they found evidence. He was finally like, well, I guess if you know about that, then you're going to figure it all out. So I might as well tell you. <laughs> they had video footage. Uh, but of course, they couldn't really tell mm-hmm. who it was. Um, and so he's finally like, you know, he was just going to go ahead and and let and just start telling them. But he starts telling them what what happened. What happened to Samantha. Mm-hmm. And what happened to Samantha was that he was basically just driving around. And he had always told himself that he wasn't going to hunt in his backyard. But at this point, he was just kind of antsy. So he was from that area? No. Okay. That's where he was living at this time period. Okay. But he was living that there. area. Okay. Yeah. And so... He went to um, where the coffee kiosk was and parked, I believe, in a shopping center, like, kind of across the street mm-hmm. from there. And he was just kind of watching, like, who was there, who was going. And he was just really thinking he was just going to rob the place. Like, he was mm-hmm. just kind of bored. Sure. And so he was like, I'm just going to rob it. And so he's watching who's there, who's coming. And then it gets kind of quiet, doesn't see anybody. So he goes up there. You know, sees the pretty 18-year-old girl and decides, you know what? I think I'd rather do that instead Mm. of robbing this place. Yeah. And no one's really here. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to take her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So he does. They tell him that, you know, they saw the footage where she tried to to leave. And he's like, yeah, I'm just getting kind of sloppy, I guess. But, you know, he tackled her down, told her that if she tried to do that again, he was going to be really upset. And so, basically letting her know that he would kill her. Uh-huh. There's so much in this entire story that it's just like, she was so scared that when the opportunity to try to get help came, she mm-hmm. didn't. Wow. So terrified. Um, so he takes her back to his, his truck. He wasn't going to take her back to his truck. He was going to take her in her vehicle, but she didn't have a vehicle. Okay. She was waiting for her scummy boyfriend, Dwayne, to come pick her up. Mm-hmm. Waiting for dad to maybe bring her dinner. Like she didn't have a car. She was waiting for one of them two to yeah come get her. So he was like, well, crap. Now I got to take her in my car. <laughs> so he walks her over to where his car is parked. There's another car parked right next to him, and those people are trying to leave the shopping center. And so they're just, like, he's behind her, so they can't see that, you know, her wrists are tied with zip ties, that there's napkins in her mouth. And if she had just 
screamed or something, uh-huh. those people might have been able to help her. Oh, my goodness. But she didn't. Mm-hmm. She was terrified. So he gets her into the truck, buckles her in, like, waits for them to leave, uh-huh. gets her into the truck, buckles her in, and they start driving. And he's basically just kind of driving around, like, not sure what where he's going to take her. And so they stop at a stoplight. And a cop car pulls up right next to them. And Samantha doesn't do anything. Oh. And so doesn't turn to look at them, doesn't... Like, if she had turned to look at them and they had looked at her, that was in that there was napkins in her mouth. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. So like, <laughs> zip-tied hands. Didn't make any kind of movement. The police never even looked over. And off they drove and off he drove. And he was just like... I'm just getting lucky all over the place. Yeah. Like, this is just all kinds of lucky. Drives her around for a bit. Takes her by the lake. Or a lake. And just, there's people there. They Mm kind of see him, kind of don't. And he's like, ah, this is probably not the best place. Yeah. Loads her back into the truck. Like, it's just, like, (sighs) driving her around. Mm -hmm. He's telling her that this is just a ransom thing. Mm -hmm. Like, he's going to let her family know so they can get some money together. And then, you know, he's going to let her go. And Mm -hmm. she's like, we don't have any money. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I work at a coffee kiosk and I don't have a car. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. (laughs) but he's giving her hope that you know he's gonna let her go Uh he has absolutely no intention of letting her go yeah um he finally decides that he's going to take her back to his house he's living there with a woman named kimberly and his daughter he doesn't take her into the house Mm -hmm. he takes her in like he's got like two sheds yeah he takes her into one of the sheds locks up Sets out, like, puts a, like, a bucket or something for her to go to the bathroom in and Uh kind of just sets it up to where she can sit and lay down and so on. Um, He rapes her. Oh. And he keeps telling her that, you know, he's going to let her go. And, um... He doesn't. He rapes her a couple more times and then kills her. When he kills her, he... There's a lot of times that he talks about things and he says that he's not going to get into it. Mm -hmm. There's just things that he doesn't want to to tell her, tell them. Mm -hmm. Um, So... He braided her hair, staged that photo. Um, She was already dead. Oh. So in order for him to do all of that, he went to Walmart and bought makeup and so on and made up her face, which is why she was wearing eyeliner, Mm -hmm. and braided her hair and tried to make her look alive. Yeah. Um, Why he had to put the tape across her mouth because... She was obviously dead. Yeah. Um, He. Him and Kimberly and the daughter were set to go on a cruise the next day. 
Mm -hmm. So he basically freezes her, puts her somewhere and freezes her and goes on vacay. Oh my gosh. Comes back from vacay, takes her out, thaws her out. Um, They asked him if she was rigid and he was like, nope, she was very floppy. What did you do? Size. Well, I wouldn't tell you this part, except you're going to find out anyway. So why wouldn't you tell us if we're going to, I told you the stuff is private. There's too many people in here, but, um, I had sex with her, her corpse. And, um, you know, she was warm and I guess I lost track of time. Gross. Yes. Um, at this point it was morning time and his daughter came looking for him. And so she knocked on the shed door and he was just like, I'll be out in a minute. Go back inside and eat your breakfast. And he leaves her there for a little bit. Way late at night, comes back and basically dismembers her body. He takes her back to the one of the lakes, tells his girlfriend, Kimberly, that he is going... Uh, ice fishing goes out there sets up his little ice fishing shack makes a hole into the ice and just starts dropping Hmm. body parts weighted down Mm -hmm. so there's a good chance that she was never going to be found yeah um when they found that out they called the fbi called their dive team and they went they dove down there and freezing mm-hmm. cold water and they were able to find they parts. were able to find her oh my goodness and so basically all he says after this is that he is confessing to all of this because he doesn't want his family dragged into this he doesn't want his daughter to find out any of this if he can confess to it and they can keep it kind of under wraps with the media you know he he'll sign off on it he'll confess um he would also like to be executed like he doesn't want to sit in death row or anything like that Uh so he's just like i'm out (laughs) well let's just bend to all your little rules (laughs) well and that's pretty much what they tell him like "Uh uh-huh yeah let's get on that yeah he's all like oh you have absolutely no idea how much i have done and if you want to know Mm-hmm. how much of what i have done you will give me what i want and they're like sure like mm-hmm. you killed an 18 year old girl what else have you done so then he tells them about a couple that he kidnapped in some other place some other part of the country mm-hmm. and People there in that small little town knew that knew these people knew that they had disappeared, but they had no idea like what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police had no clue. He picked, like I said earlier, he picked small towns with an inexperienced police force. Vermont, Essex, Vermont. Okay. So yeah, like wow. all over the place. Yeah. So he's in Essex, Vermont, and he picks a couple. And breaks into their house, basically surprises them, tells them to, you know, get up, go on with him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Let's see. It was Lorraine and Bill, Bill and Lorraine, couriers. And he's pointing his gun at Lorraine, basically asks her if there's any guns in the house. She says, yes, there's a loaded 38 Smith and Wesson in her nightstand. He's pointing the gun at her, grabs her gun. She's sleeping in t-shirt and shorts. Keys says that he took some lingerie from her dresser drawer. And they ask, did he make her change clothes? And he's like, I'm not going to get into that. And so. Wow. He probably did. Yes. Have her change into lingerie. Takes him out to this abandoned house that he'd already scoped out. Uh And that's about as much as what he does. Like, he doesn't scope out people. Uh Like, he scopes out the town. And... Great. He scopes out the town and then just buries his little kids there, scopes out different places um, where he could take someone. Mm -hmm. And so he ends up having to kill Bill because Bill fights. Yeah. Ends up having to kill Bill. And then um, he rapes Lorraine several times and then kills her too. So he had to kill him because he was fighting. Yes. Like he wasn't going to do it anyway. Well, he had plans for Bill. Oh, really? And he didn't get to fulfill his plans for Bill. Because Bill fought. And so he had to kill Bill. So they wouldn't have known anything about that if he hadn't told them. Mm -hmm. Because there was no evidence at all about it. Um, They connect him. To what they think are several other unsolved cases, uh-huh. some here in Texas, um, one in Longview. They think that when he, before he got caught and he was visiting his family, mm-hmm. he disappeared for a couple of days. Oh. And when they found him, he was all like muddy and disheveled and mm-hmm. he wouldn't tell them where, where he was or what he was doing. Um, it was, but they, they, Connected him to some other things. Connected him to 11 other bodies. Wow. Um, He did not go to trial. He committed suicide. Loser. Mm Mm-hmm. Coward. And so, there was a whole lot about how Anchorage, the police department, the correctional facility, basically were not willing to listen to the FBI. Mm-hmm. And they gave him razors, razor blades, and all kinds of things. And so he killed himself. He did try to escape once. They caught him. He didn't make it very far. Uh-huh. Um, and then the correctional facility continued to give him razor blades. Oh, my goodness. But that's what happened to Israel Keys. He is probably one of the scariest serial killers because of he didn't have maps of anything. Mm-hmm. Like he just knew yeah, where he had buried things all over the place. Wow. And so he just knew. He just knew where to go, where he had buried things, and where mm-hmm. he had put people and all that. And it was it was pretty pretty crazy, pretty scary. Yeah. And who knows how many more they're out there. Two girls went missing in his hometown when he was probably about 
16, 17 years old. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got to start somewhere, right? Yep. Those are some scary stories, huh? They are. Well, and just a, a quick little thing I forgot to say earlier is, you know, um, this author, uh, Patricia Springer, um, wrote this trying to find what out what happened to her friend's daughter, Wendy. And um, it, it was never really answered in this book whether or not Ricky did it. Mm-hmm. Ricky never really... Said. said he did but he didn't say he didn't and all this stuff well when i was doing some research um just recently somebody has been convicted of this murder oh. and she is actually going to write a book about that because it that's probably will be the last book that she writes because she'd kind of retired anyway mm-hmm. um and that that's when she wrote this book and now that this other guy's been caught and it's definitely him that did it, she's going to write another book about that. Oh, so. It won't be as gross. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is they thought he did it because it was very, it was a place that he hung out. And mm-hmm. I think some of the same things might have been done, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, I have a lot more to say about this book, but I have ran out of time. So come read it. American Predator. It was actually really, really good. Really good. That sounds really good. Or maybe Denise would be willing to talk with you about it if you're really. <laughs> I didn't even get into like the weird cult shopping that his family did oh, as he was growing up. <laughs> so oh, okay. read so, that. <laughs> yes. We, we definitely want to know about that. All right. Well, sounds good. This has been Do We Like Murder. Thank you for listening. <laughs>